we've been looking at the topic of the fear of the Lord in the, in the context of a, a church series that we're doing. We're doing a series on church, and I hope that you see how foundational the fear of the Lord is for understanding the church. So we are it's still in the church series, but I felt from the Lord to lay foundations about the fear of God because I think, do think that our um, Christianity as we know it today is basically absent of the fear of the Lord. The really, the fear of the Lord has become a bad topic. It's become something, a lot of, te- a lot of pe- pe- pastors don't teach on it. Um, that's, it's considered Old Testament. Um, and, and so we have suffered tremendously as a result of the fact that we have um, we have not put emphasis on the fear of God, and so so now this it has really done a lot of damage to the church. But um, and the fear of the Lord is a big topic. But let's we're going to continue. Um, so let's get read Proverbs one seven. Proverbs one seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning, the starting point of knowledge. It's the starting point. That means that without the fear of the Lord, you know nothing, and that's. The reality, Albert Einstein, if he did not know the Lord, which my all indication he did not, he does not know nothing. There's no knowledge, true knowledge, okay? So fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray. Father, we pray for the proclamation of your word. We pray that you would enable us to communicate truth very clearly and edify us and that we might grow, Lord, and challenge us, Lord, to grow in the fear and in the admonition of the Lord. And that's not just a, an exhortation to parents, but that's also to pastors, that the spiritual children can grow in the fear and in the admonition of the Lord so that we might, oh God, um, enjoy life, God. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And so we pray for your grace. We pray that you would enable us, Lord, to, to Lord, to lay good arguments and persuasive, Lord, um, that you would be, Lord, just glorified in this moment and help us to walk. Lord, having heard, help us to walk in the fear of the Lord. Help us to live our lives, to have our conversation and our lifestyles, Lord, in the fear of the Lord. And so that's our goal. That's our desire. And so have your way, Jesus, in this morning we pray, amen. The starting point of all true knowledge is the fear of the Lord. So we, th- th- you know, so when then, so we ended up asking two questions, right? Um, obviously, what is the fear of the Lord? Then we got to answer that question. What is the fear of the Lord? And then secondly, why is the fear of the Lord the beginning of knowledge? Why is it like that? You know, it's okay to ask questions like that. You know, you don't have to just... God expects us to want to understand. Like, why is the fear of the Lord the beginning? You know, it's not that you're challenging the Proverbs. God forbid, we're not doing that. We just simply want to know there must, there must be a good reason why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And I'd like to know. I'd like to know why is that the beginning of knowledge. So we're going to ask that question. So, but we began first by asking the question, what is the fear of the Lord? All right? So we wanted to lay a framework to help you. You know, I'm not going to say everything that can be said about the fear of the Lord, right? Um, But let's just lay some things. First of all, we said that in order for you to have the fear of the Lord, you must first have encountered God. You cannot have the fear of the Lord if you've never encountered the Lord. In some some way, there has to be an encounter with God. Uh, Exodus 20, verse 18, now when all the people saw the thunder, the people were present, the people were not in a classroom, 
There is phenomenon of thunder, phenomenon of flashes of lightning. There's a phenomenon of sound of the trumpet. And there was a phenomenon of mountains. They were present when all that was happening. They didn't just read it in the history books. They were not just in the classroom, but they were present. All right, so that's the beginning, right, right, that, right there. That, that you have to have an encounter with, with, the, with God. Second of all, um, the fear of the Lord involves an emotional response to the phenomenon. That you're going to respond emotionally when God's presence is manifested in that powerful way. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna experience something. The Bible says very clearly that when this happened to Israel in the, in the wilderness, when the people saw this, the people were afraid. They were afraid. I mean, you know, pe people are very uncomfortable with the idea of afraid of God. I'm like, I'm afraid of God. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I mean, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> you know, right? I, mean, you know, I don't have a problem. With, like, like get, get rid of these ideas that you can't, like, you know, no, he, he's magnificent and mighty. <laughs> right? You know, so, so, yeah, so they were afraid. But not only was there an emotional response, there was a physical response. The Bible says that when they saw this phenomenon, they not only were afraid, but they also trembled. <laughs> Their body was like trembling. They were trembling. You ever, you ever tr trembling is a very unique physical response that I'm very serious about. You know? <laughs> it's like, and part of, part of it is because I, you know, I, I, I had that experience, I told you, when someone, I was in the ambulance, and I've never been in an ambulance for 57 years of my life, you know. And, um, and let's just say the last two years, you know, things are going downhill for me <laughs> physically. But praise God, as the outward man is perishing daily, what is happening to the inward man? It's being renewed. How often? Twice a week? Day by day. <laughs> Amen. But, you know, so I got this, I got this vertigo thing, you know, and my, my, I was vomiting, and I was like, Whoa. and I'm, and they put, I said, okay, Lord, call, call the ambulance. You know, I, it's just like, I, I can't take this. You know? And um, they put me in the ambulance. And, and the, 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 the EMT worker, God bless her heart. Yep. Yep. <laughs> she didn't realize I had thrown up so much, you know. I had nothing. So you know how you throw up and you got nothing. Your, your body's dehydrated and it's like craving, you know, anything. So she gave me Benadryl. And boo. I, I'm like this, you know? I'm trembling. I'm like, she, she messed me up. Why did you give me Benadryl? He said, give me, give me a burger. Give me something. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got to contract this, you know. You know but I, I, I mean, I was just so like, I, I, was, I didn't want Laura to watch, see me. I didn't want Kelly was there, Abby was there, and I'm trembling. And I don't want them to see me tremble. And guess what I found out? What did I find out? I can't help it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like this is this is crazy. I I, I couldn't say, stop it. Be still. <laughs> nothing. There was nothing I could do. It was just I was just like trembling. That's when you meet the presence of God. You don't just you don't decide. Okay, now I can tremble. Ah, no, you can't. It's a physical response. Uh, fourthly. The fear of the Lord involves a behavioral response. So there's an emotional response, afraid. Physical response, trembling. But then there's a behavioral response. The Bible says the people were afraid, they trembled, and they stood. They stood back. 
got, we got a scripture there, I believe. And they stood far off. They took a step out. I mean, that's understandable. I get that. Um, when I see a mouse in my house, what do I do? I take a step back. <laughs> Some of you might go forward. God bless you. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, there are things that, you know, we, we take a step back. No, but seriously, there's a fire. Something explodes. What do you, what's your first instinct? Boom. Take out. Your mind says, ooh, this is too strong. This is too dangerous for me. When God's presence manifests, there is a, not always, praise God that he, this is a unique manifestation of the presence of God. The Lord didn't do this every, okay, again, we'll, we'll, we'll repeat this experience next Tuesday. Next, He didn't do that. He says, I just need to give you one, just one experience just to step. And like I said, this is the first class out of Egypt. Not the third class. This is not like PhD. Okay, now all the PhD from Egypt that came out, now let me show you. No, this is, the first, this is like kindergarten, spiritual kindergarten. All they need is that first encounter with God, and they, they stood afar off. And they, and they stood afar precisely because Moses told them, don't get near the mountain. But they, you know how we, you know, the Lord, the Lord tells you something, and you're like, yeah, whatever. And when the mountain started quaking, oh, what did Moses say? <laughs> right? Don't we do the same thing? It hits us when the presence of God brings clarity. Oh, I, I get it now. I kind of. I thought Moses was a little bit, a little, you know, he's a little overzealous. <laughs> he's a little overzealous, yeah. right? Don't we think like that? The preacher's a little overzealous. You know, he's not, that's just him. But, you know, you can get close, son. Just touch the mountain. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> that's what we do. And when this mountain starts shaking with fire, they start back up. That's what happens. So that gives you, gives you a, I call the fear of the Lord is a profound and overwhelming sense of a fear-filled awe and wonder of the greatness and power of God. You know, the fear of the Lord is a profound and overwhelming sense of an awe that is fear-filled awe. Right? And wonder. It's just all of it. It encompasses everything. Amen? And I told you a picture, like this orca, an illustration. You're in a beach. You're, you're, you're snorkeling. And you're having such a great time. And suddenly, this orca, a magnificent beast, passes by you. Here's what's going to happen. You'll be afraid. <laughs> you will tremble. And you will... Stand up our <laughs> and let the beast pass. Amen? Right? But you know what else will happen too? When you're snorkeling the next time, this is the fear of the Lord. This is a metaphor. The next time you go snorkeling, right? <laughs> you're looking at the little fish. Oh, that's the fear of the Lord. You become aware.
right? You, you're more careful in the ocean. You're like, you bring a bigger flashlight. <laughs> like, you're like, okay, last time you brought one like this, like, oh, I can take, I get one of these. Like, <laughs> this time it's like in a machine, like this. <laughs> Turn it on. <laughs> I need light, <laughs> right? You make, you make accommodations for the orca, right? But, but at, at the same time, it would probably be the most beautiful experience in your life when you see that orca coming through. You know, there's something about animals. That, there's something about animals that, that when, you, when you see them in their majestic state, it's like, ooh, this is awesome. Just quietly passing by. And you might be fearful. You might be trembling. You might be standing off. But at the same time, you're enjoying the magnificence of the animal. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? Th there's just something about, like, that's God. You'll be afraid a little bit. You're trembling. But you're overwhelmed by his faithfulness. So we're asking that question now. Why is the fear of the Lord? We're beginning to ask the question. Why is the fear of the Lord the beginning of knowledge? And, and so last week, and I realized it's not my time. It's going quick. But what is knowledge? We've got to ask the question. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Then, then what in the world is knowledge? Is the fear of the Lord the beginning of the knowledge of biology? Is the fear of the Lord the beginning of the knowledge of sports? Is the fear of the Lord the beginning of the knowledge of plumbing? What, what, it, what is knowledge? Whatever that is, it, and apparently the fear of the Lord is the beginning of that. The question is, do we really know what knowledge is? And so we have to ask the question, what is knowledge? Because what is it good to say, why is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but what is knowledge? What, what do you mean by knowledge? Well, you know stuff that you know. Really? I mean, I've learned a lot of stuff before I even trusted the Lord. I mean, right? I've learned a lot of stuff, right? So what is knowledge? What does the proverb writer have in mind? What does, forget about the proverb writer, what does God have in mind when he says knowledge? And so this is the question that we began to ask. And the only way to answer that question, there's only one way to answer that question, to go to the Bible and see how the Bible uses knowledge. And then we can derive, uh oh, this is how knowledge works. This is what he means by knowledge. All right, so we're gonna look at uh, we're gonna look at some qualities or characteristics of knowledge in the Bible. I'm not interested in what the Webster's Dictionary says. I'm not really interested in that. I want to know what the Bible defines as knowledge. What does the Bible assume about knowledge? And then we can begin, right? We're never going to get this perfectly. Relax. We're not going to get this perfect definition. But we can begin to get a framework for understanding what God means when he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of that kind of knowledge. All right? So let's go. On. Let's move on. Let, let, let's, um, two things that we covered last week. There are seven characteristics of, of knowledge uh, in the Bible. I'm talking about biblical knowledge. The first one we said last week 
is that biblical knowledge is very personal. It is intensely personal. The knowledge of biology is not personal. The knowledge of agricultural is not personal. Right? You know, put seed in the ground, water it. Okay, that's the knowledge of agriculture. It's not personal. I don't really care. What does that have to do with me? Nothing. It is what it is. So we, have, we carry a lot of knowledge that it's just not personal. It's, I call it information. We have a lot of information. It's not personal. Biblical knowledge is intensely personal. It has everything to do with you. Now, if, I, if you hear someone say, hey, Your neighbor has cancer. You don't know this neighbor. Oh, he's got cancer. Is it personal to you? What do you guys think? No. It's not personal. But your doctor tells you, you got cancer. Is that personal? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Doctor, this, this is just because personal. Yes, I understand. But I'm sorry to tell you that now. You. You got cancer. It's personal. You see the difference? That's the difference. It impacts you. It has everything to do with you. Right? Look at Psalm 51, verse 3. Psalm 51, verse 3. For, for I know my transgression. He wasn't told. He didn't read it in the book. He says, I have personal knowledge of my transgression. This is true knowledge. It's personal. That's why a lot of people can't deal with the Bible. And that's why a lot of people can't deal with God, because everything in the Bible is personal knowledge. Every, there's nothing in there that is not personal and so we want, we like to erect walls with the Bible. Oh, this is where I go when I have a headache. And this is where I go. And it's like you can't, you can't negotiate God like that. You can't do it. Um, when I'm depressed, I just read these scriptures. Um, and, and, and when I'm, I need this, I <laughs> and you treat the Bible like a little genie lamp, right? No, 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 no. The Bible's intensely personal. Psalm 56, verse 9, then, the, then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call this, I know, God is for me. He didn't read that. Do you understand that? There are people that can say, I know that God is for me. And, a, and a, another person can say, I know that God is for me. And they one can know it and one cannot know it. Do you not understand that just because we say it, right? Right, but there, there's in, in, in but in spiritual life, right? When the psalmist says, "This I know," he is referring to something. This has become personal knowledge to me. This is not just something out there that I've read in a in a canon in a letter. I have be, have personal knowledge of the fact that God is for me. 
Amen? Second of all, we, we said, number one, so that's, that's, that's totally different. So, you know, well, so, so the fear of the Lord, all right, so let's start building this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge that is what? Intensely personal. Not just any kind of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of that kind of knowledge that is personal. You want personal knowledge of any? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of that. Now we're going to ask the question later, why is the fear of the Lord the beginning of that? Well, what's the connection you know, to God? You know, it doesn't seem like one has anything to do with the other. It does. It does. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge that is very personal. Second of all, all right? Biblical knowledge in the Bible, knowledge in the Bible, not in Webster's Dictionary. Knowledge in the Bible is moral. We said that last week. Moral. Genesis 2.9. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When we talk morality, what do we mean? What's the definition of morality? Is that which has to do with good and evil. Right and wrong. Right? Um, there are a lot of things in life that essentially are not, are morally neutral. You know, you, people can have these debates. But what I'm just saying is, there are things that we do that are morally neutral. For example, I like to use Sensodyne toothpaste. Is that right or wrong? Yep. I put on brown shoes. Is that right or wrong? We can say, no, no people are arguing. It, I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go a philosophical <laughs> rabbit hole. But, but there are things that we do that you do out of preference that there are no moral constraints, moral demands. Does that make sense? And you're going to learn, you're going to have to learn how to navigate that. A lot of people, the devil can make a moral demand of things that are, are morally neutral. Did you guys know that? The devil can speak to you, convince you that, uh, oh, that's wrong. <laughs> and then you, you become all bound in legalism, right? Right? Um, there's many examples of that. I could tell you a few of them. Stuff that, you know, you know, a lot of legalistic groups. When I, the church that I grew up in, if you had a mustache, you're like, you're, you're like with, with the Antichrist. <laughs> it was like, a mustache. <laughs> You know, if you cut your hair, if you were a woman, if you cut your hair, it was like, oh, you're backslidden sister. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't call you sister no more. Friend. <laughs> what, right? So it's like, it's like, right? We've all, we've all, right? The devil can make much of morally neutral things and, and, and fuel it with moral things that are not right. And you are going to have to wage that war with the devil. Devil ain't gonna let you go. The devil wants you to to inject morality to things that really are not are not really the Bible does not say. Right? And
And that's a major war in the life of a Christian. I mean, just say that. It's a constant war because Satan is a, an accuser. What's he accusing us of? All kinds of things. Right? So don't, don't, but true knowledge is morally conditioned. True knowledge has to do with good and evil. There is no such thing in the Bible as morally neutral knowledge. No such thing. Does that make sense? You guys are following me? I know that you know, just can, I'm pressing the sometimes boundaries of like thinking, but there is no such thing as knowledge that that is 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 like you can choose and prefer. No, there's no such thing. All knowledge in the Bible is morally conditioned. In other words, what do I mean by that? You are held accountable. You will answer to God for that knowledge. There's no such thing as well, Emmanuel, I just said, I gave you some knowledge on how, on shirts, and just use your knowledge as, I gave you knowledge of shirts. There's no such thing as that in the Bible. Everything that God, every piece of true knowledge that you have, you will be held accountable to God. Does that make sense? There's no neutrality here. You will, you will, if you know, if you know the Lord, and you're not following him, you will be held accountable to that. Everything that God has given us, any kind of knowledge, that, that be careful to say, oh, the Lord's giving me so much knowledge. I'll be like, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not, because then I have to answer to a lot more. Right? That's why the Bible says, be, be not many teachers. Because you're going to have to answer to more. You know, it's a scary thing when we realize, Lord, Thank you for all that you've given me, but you are holding me accountable to what I know. Right? The Lord gives you a burden for the lost. And you know it. And then you don't care about the lost. You're going to be held accountable for that. Right? They're, they're all this thing that the Lord, true knowledge that we understand and we just, and we enjoy the moment that we receive the knowledge. We enjoy the moment. We, re, we enjoy the benefits of having the knowledge. But we're gonna, we have to act on it. We have to be, we have to, Lord, you're going to hold me accountable. Look at James, James 14, James 4, 17. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Right? Simple as that. I, I, I like the way James puts that. For him, right? Because we have to be careful. The issue here is what? That he knows. It's not the same if a person doesn't know. There, there are, if a person does not know, it's not the same kind of thing. It's not, the, it's not, it might, it's not a sinful thing when a person doesn't, in the same way. There may still be some issues there, but it's still different and distinct. The, the issue is that he, for whoever knows, right, it doesn't say whoever fails to do the right thing, it's sin. It doesn't say that. But for him who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And God's holding us accountable to what we know. And I'll tell you one thing, in America, you know, we, we're very, you know, we, you know, you go to other countries and they get saved. The Lord fills them. And in six months, they're disciples. They're making disciples. Making disciples. And, and I think to myself, oh, 
Jesus to stay six months, and they're like in a class to teach you. I was like, what is it? Here, you get 32 years of like all kinds of preparation. <laughs> and then, you know, you go out, you know, holding hands. <laughs> I was like, what, what, what's with that? And I just think that back in those countries that it's just simple and they don't have a lot of education and, and, and because our, our academics gets in the way. They just believe the gospel. They just believe this is truth. I'm going out. And, and they just act in obedience. And they don't have to have all these things explained to them. You know, we need, we need to act on what we, and we know a lot. Do you guys, do you guys know that you, you probably know more than 99% of the world? Christians. We have Bibles. We read. We have so much that we, we have, and it's amazing. I said, Lord, what, what are people doing with all the knowledge? How many podcasts do we listen? How many preaching during the week? You know, 64 podcasts, you know, you know and, and yet we still don't do much. I said, Lord, have mercy on us. We are filled, right? So knowledge is very moral, right? Look at John, John, John 9, 41. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, in other words, you know, if you didn't, if you did not know, if you don't see, right, you would have no guilt. You would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, now that you say, well, we know, we know, boom, your guilt. I, is guilt a moral issue? You better believe it. Guilt is a deeply moral issue. Your guilt remains. I don't know where the time went today. Where did it, where did it go today? <laughs> it's like the time went so fast. Let me give you one more, and then we'll, we'll quit. The, 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 the knowledge, is, um, knowledge is personal. It's moral. Um, but in the Bible, it's not only personal. Right, so the beginning, let me, let, me, let me just slow down a little bit. The beginning, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge that is deeply personal and moral, right? So now you, we're, building, we're building what knowledge is little by little, biblically. Biblical knowledge is personal, it's moral. What else is, what else is um, biblical knowledge is experiential. You know, we tend to think intellectual. Don't ever get that biblical knowledge. Biblical knowledge is experience, experiential. You know, that's why you know that's why so many people go to you know all these classes, 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 pastors, but they've never experienced true knowledge. They're just filled with books, filled with filled with a lot of stuff. True knowledge is experiential. Look what Isaiah fifty three, Isaiah. Uh, he was despised. And rejected by men, a man of sorrows, having knowledge of. That, that word acquainted there is the same word for knowledge, for knowing. Acquainted with grief. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't really like that kind of picture. <laughs> the idea is that he had a knowledge of grief. That's the idea. I think some translations probably have better. I think they say, man of sorrows, knowing grief. Knowing. Acquainted with grief. It, 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 th this word knowledge expresses um, knowledge that is gained by the senses. Hearing, seeing, touching. What kind of Knowledge that Jesus have about grief. 
Was it intellectual? No. It was deeply what? Experiential and personal. He experienced grief. Not just acquainted with it. He's not just aware of it. He says sometimes, that's why words matter. He's experiencing the depth of grief that no man, no woman, no person has ever experienced. I like, in, in, in a translation, acquainted. You know. <laughs> we, we don't even call our friends acquaintances, you know. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's a, that, how do they come up with that word, acquainted? I mean, that's like a, a casual relationship. No, he knew grief. He knows it deeply, personally, experientially. True biblical knowledge is not head knowledge. It's not, oh, I know so much. Oh, I know, oh, I know, oh, I know. I remember there was a guy that I would tell him, you know, hey, hey, do you, um, yeah, because I have to put this, um, I have to put this plank here. Oh, I know. Um, and, oh, yeah, I have to put caulk on the bathroom. Oh, I know. Um, yeah, because, um, um, and I would make stuff up like, yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to do like some telekinetic surgery with two aliens. Uh, oh, I, I know. I'm like, what? I said, man, is there anything you don't know? <laughs> and then he started, he, started, he started working with a guy. He started working with a guy, and then, and then uh, he tells me, oh, yeah, um, because I know did it. I said, I said, what do you mean I know? Oh, we, we call him I know. <laughs> we call him because he says it all the time. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know everything, right? It's not, it's not intellectual. It's experiential, something, something real. Look at Proverbs 18.15, Proverbs 18.15, an intelligent heart. Now, the heart, you have to understand, spiritually speaking in the Bible, again, the, all these things are, the heart is the instrument, is the, the center of our emotion, our affections. That's the heart, not the mind, the heart. The heart is the seat of our affections and our emotions. It's where real experience is felt. In the heart. It's the heart that acquires knowledge, not the mind. You know, we, we, we tend, right? We tend to, uh, we, we tend to like, oh, knowledge in a mind, knowledge in mind. I, got, I know so much. I know, uh, my, my SAT scores and my IQ. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not knowledge. That's not knowledge. You got information. Yeah, you got lots of information. Man. Praise, praise God. <laughs> but knowledge, zilch, if it hasn't entered the heart. If you haven't felt affections, emotions, and all that, right? Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. You know, so true biblical knowledge, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of that kind of knowledge. <laughs> this is going to get exciting, but, but we'll continue this. We'll be able to continue today, but this is going to get exciting because the fear of the Lord, is, I don't know about you, I want personal, moral, experiential knowledge. I don't know why. That's the way I'm wired. <laughs> the intellect is not enough. I want to know Christ in the depths of my soul. I want to know him. Amen? And that's the invitation of the true Christian. The true, it, it's an invitation to have true experiential knowledge of the greatness, the beauty, and the loveliness of Jesus Christ. Some of us have this idea that going, oh, I've got to stop. I've got to stop doing this. I've got to stop doing that. No, you're going to eat 
You're going to eat steak, spiritual steak. You're going to eat flan, flexures on a whole new level. <laughs> You're going to be like so full of the richness of God. <laughs> Amen? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of that kind. Now, see, once we get through all this, I hope you'll be like, oh, I want the fear of the Lord. <laughs> I want, that's a gateway. The fear of the Lord is a gateway into all the beginning, the starting point. Hallelujah. Praise God. There's, there's a method to the madness, right? There's, there's something that God wants to teach us. As we go deeper in the Lord, he, he, there are ways of God he wants to show us so that we can begin to grow in the Lord and in the grace of God. Amen? And not live a, a, a just ordinary, you know, good for nothing Christian. Walking around, doing nothing, caring about nothing, indifferent, apathetic. Man, that's, God did not call us for that. He called us to increase. Amen? In the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So true biblical knowledge, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of knowledge that is intensely experiential. You know, and don't, don't let, you know, there are a lot of people that are more intellectually driven. And that's good to be the mind. The mind trust me, we're thinking a lot about uh, many things, and the mind's an important faculty that God has given us. We don't discard the mind at all. Don't, don't hear me saying that. The mind is essential. But there are some that will be satisfied with an intellectual like uh, thing that satisfies them, and they're just satisfied with that. And, and it never really enters into the point where they have joy. I always tell you, you the goal of reading the Bible is what, Arthur? Or, or one, the goal of reading the Bible, no, say it again. <laughs> the goal of reading the Bible is laughter. It's, it, right? It, it, it's to rejoice in God. It's, it's to have joy unspeakable, full of glory. Right? Yeah, he's going to change us. Yes, he's going to break us. There's going to be moments. But the goal, do we stay broken? Do we stay always crying? No, the end of all of that is joy. Amen? And I hate it when I'm not laughing. I don't know about you. When I go read my Bible, I want to laugh. Because I know if I laugh, I'm, I'm starting to get it. Because God is awesome. <laughs> right? I'm like, that's my presupposition. God is great and magnificent. So I better read the Bible consistent with that concept. <laughs> like, right? And so I go there, not off the top, be like, mm, this doesn't mean nothing to me. So you keep digging. Keep digging. And then sometimes I just, just narrow it to like one word. <laughs> it's like, I try to keep it simple, you know, and say, Lord, there's, there's laughter in this one word. But it's joy. You know, look at, look at Psalm 16, 11. Psalm 16. You make known to me the path of life. They, there's, there's knowledge. What, what kind of knowledge? In, in this knowledge, there's two profound experiences. What are they? Fullness of joy. 38%? 42%? 99%? Where's the, where's the gas needle at? All the way. <laughs> past, past the full mark, right? Fullness of what? Joy. But what else? <laughs> this is what God has for us in Christ Jesus. 
true knowledge that is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Now, some of you might say, man, that's, that's not good at people. I, don't, I think that this is just a lot of hogwash. You know, there are people that really, I, I get that, because if, you, if you've never really experienced this, it's hard to conceptualize it. It's hard to grasp it. But many of you, many of you do know, maybe some of you might say, I'm not sure if I've ever experienced this. Don't get down. The invitation is there. Jesus says, come, come to me. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, I, I would, I, trust me, when I first got saved, I was very jealous. I'd be like, Lord, um, like I told you, my favorite song was, Cast me not, O gentle Savior. Right? That was my favorite song because it was like, I felt like the Lord was passing me by. And, um, Lord, you're blessing everybody else but me. You ever felt that? Lord, you, uh, Lord I, I felt that. I, I, went through, I went through a lot of that when I first came to the Lord. But you know what? That created a hunger in my life. I would go home and I will pray. I said, Lord, don't pass me by. I want to know you in truth. I really want to know you, Jesus. And it just fueled the fire to pray. And some of you just need to ask him and say, Lord, you know, I want my Christian life to go on another level of joy. Another, what is keeping me from joy? Why can't I experience pleasures forevermore? Why not? Most of the time, let's be honest, we know why. We're occupied with other things. We are obsessed with other things. And I'm just pleading with you today. Man, Jesus has so much for you. Jesus came, I have come that you might have life and have it what? Some of us think more diminishingly. <laughs> I've come to bring life and life more, and, and more diminishingly. <laughs> it was so good at the beginning, but Lord, it's been going downhill. No, he comes to give you life more abundantly. Like, take him at his word. He's not just saying things. To, that's really poetically beautiful. Life has abundance. That's beautiful. The poetry, that's beautiful. No, the Lord doesn't want you to revel on the poetry. It's not poetry. It's his word. It's his promise. Like, just be like a simple child and say, Jesus, you said. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I said that. Lord, I'm, I'm not a scientist, and I'm not a theologian, so forgive me, my little Bronx Dominican. But you said, <laughs> he that cometh to me shall never thirst. Make it real, my life, Jesus. Make it real. I want to know that for sure. I want to know. I want to taste and see that the Lord is good. Right? Because otherwise, we, we need to have this, this is true knowledge, knowledge that is experiential. And, you know, a person that has that is not going to easily just go from the Lord. But I'd say the ones who will easily just go back are those who have not had true knowledge. And all, they have built a house on the sand of mental ideas, right? And Satan, Satan, will, he, Satan will build a beautiful skyscraper. <laughs> And he say he will put the most beautiful like scenery. He'll put you on the beach, and he'll he'll put like windows like pound, ooh beautiful. <laughs> it's like and, and he'll and, and with lights and LED, you know, and the and the and it changes. And at the end, it's all built on sand. And then you see that little house there, that little shack that has a cardboard, <laughs> but that was on the rock. <laughs> and the storm comes, and that big skyscraper comes down, and that little shack is like, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> 
Right? Because God is able. You, you built it on the rock. Right? You know, we've we got to build our house on the rock of God's truth and promises and say, Lord, this is for me. I want to pursue you. I want to experience this reality of what Christ, did Christ die on the cross just for us to kind of, <laughs> he died on the cross that we might have life and have it abundantly. Amen? You make known to me. Take that scripture this week. Say, Lord, have you made known to me the path of life? He has. He has. Truth is his presence. Wow. Holy Spirit is present. And at his right hand, I can rest in peace. <laughs> I wish I could, yeah, I wish I could, yeah, there, there's presence, unbelievable presence. Unbelievable presence. This is not just theory. This is reality. True knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of that. Here's the issue that we need to come to. Sometimes the absence of the fear of the Lord is a tremendous hindrance to that. In fact, it's not just a hindrance. There is none of that apart from. There's something about, and it's amazing why God does it that way, but there's, there's a lot of good reasons. But, but pray for the fear of God. If you're one struggling, saying, Lord, I don't enjoy you. Sometimes it's good to be just honest. Lord, I, I really, I go to church because I've, it's, I've been doing it, but I really don't look forward to it. And my heart is not there that much. I don't experience that joy. I'm, I'm inviting you today to let's ask Jesus. Amen? My heart is going out to you. I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you. I'm, I'm, we'll put that in my verse. We'll talk about it on Friday. Knowing the fear of the Lord, Paul says, I persuade men. I want you to know, and know that Christ is real. I want you to know that Christ is present beyond there. Amen? We'll continue next week. Um, but Proverbs 2, look when you stand up, let's read Proverbs 2.10. Proverbs 2.10, for wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be what? It will be pleasant to your soul. Now, I don't want to rush. I don't want to rush. This is just not a moment that we can rush. But I want to pray for you. And there are others here that would like to pray for you, too. If you feel like, Lord, this is not like, oh, come to repent. No, I'm just... I'm just appealing to you to a hunger and a thirst. Like, if you feel yourself, you know, I don't really experience uh, my, the knowledge that I have. I don't know that the knowledge that I have of Jesus Christ is personal. I'm not so sure that it's moral. Maybe it, that usually comes out. That's probably the easiest one. We feel a, a, a moral obligation to the knowledge of Christ. And so you may not have a problem with that one. But this whole idea of knowledge being experiential, personal, maybe you're finding, like, I don't know that I can – I want to pray for you, that God would make himself known little by little to you. Amen? And I'm, I'm just gonna, we're just going to sing a song. Let's not rush. Let's give the Holy Spirit um, this opportunity um, to, you know, to just 
this is a good aha. She's like, this is so, we're dealing with eternal things. There's so much on the balance. And that's just one of the psalms. Let's begin to sing that song, Draw Me Near. And, I, and um, m- make this a prayer. Say, Lord, draw me near. You cannot do it yourself. You can't say, well, starting tomorrow, I'm going to have this joy. Good luck. If you find it, show me the secret. <laughs> it, ain't wor- it doesn't work like that. You got to ask. But he's a good father. He's a good father. You ask him continuously. Like, Lord, my heart is empty. And I just want to know you more. Jesus has never denied that prayer in my life. And I know there are many here that will say the same. He's never. It might take some time. It's not like the next 30 seconds, the heavens are open. You know, no, it doesn't happen like that. But little by little, he's faithful to his word. And he just shows you how he's real. Amen. Let's say, draw me near. And if you feel like that's you, I want to I want to pray for you. You know, these altars here, I want to give a moment to just pray and, 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 and just step out in faith. And we'll have others come by. As, as others come out, I want to ask those who think, just come and pray. I believe in the ministry of one to another. There's something about that. And so let's just give the Lord time and let's believe him for just a wonderful work before we head out to uh, our fellowship meal. All right, draw me near.